And now, the Big D and Bubba Weekly Podcast. Big D and Bubba, they have a show five days a week, but they don't get to say everything that's on their mind, so they have an extra one, and that's how we get the podcast, the podcast, the podcast. Big D and Bubba podcast, 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 podcast. Oh, podcast. podcast. And I found a gold. It uh, kind of has a little something to do with uh, Father's Day weekend. Yeah, I got my sweetheart a stick cup. <laughs> mm-hmm. I forgot about her. <laughs> I don't remember. Got my sweetheart a spit cup. Yeah, a spit cup. I got my sweetheart a stick cup. <laughs> oh. oh, the highlights from the show. Uh, Sarah Kanabi is here. She's about to run away because that frightened her so much. <laughs> she is uh, <laughs> uh, vice president, A&R, uh, BBR Music Group. And um, I, I am really, I am not even sure exactly what y- it is you do. What is A&R? What does A&R you know. mean? Alcohol and restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're on. The, you're in the right place. Nailed it. A and R artists and repertoire. Um, I'm probably not saying that right either because artists and repertoire is what that means. Yes, I knew it was artists and something. I thought it was research. I didn't know that. It's also that, but I'm yeah. Not sure what that would mean? Uh, artists and repertoire. So um, it it covers the gamut of a little bit of everything from uh, looking for talent, looking for new artists to sign. Working with the artists that we have on on our roster, uh, working with them to find the best songs, the right producers, um, talking to them. So you're basically the behind the scenes person for the music industry. You're the you're the people behind the people. Yes. Well, when people think about oh, what you work for a record label, they they don't think about marketing, promotions, accounting. They don't think about any of that. They think about your job. That's when people, you know, around the country think, oh, yeah, I would work for, a, I'd like to work for a record label. They want to do what you do. They should think about the other jobs, too. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it. we, I, without those other teams, I mean, I think I've only been at the label for three years. Before that, I was a publisher for 15, and that's working with songwriters. And um, when I got to the label side and I saw all the back end that goes into putting out music, mm-hmm. the marketing, the PR, whatever, it's... I'm just the very beginning <laughs> so, of a full machine. So for you, like, are you always like watching, like, can you go to a, can you even enjoy a show like on vacation and you're there at the senior frogs and there's somebody playing at the bar? It's probably not my favorite, but I watch because you never know who you're going to find. Yeah. And that's kind of the, I think everybody has that dream of like walking into someplace unexpected and hearing somebody that's going to like knock you off of your is that chair. really rare? Um, it's rare, but it happens. And um, you know, there's been times where I've had situations where I've been blown away by something that I wasn't even there to see. Um, so you just kind of always have to have your eyes and ears open. Um, to what's see one of those find. times? What's one of those times you saw something you weren't expecting to see and it just blew you away? Today. Well, right here. this isn't, yeah, right now is very moment. You heard that podcast song, you're like, yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah, amazing. Hey, guys, who's the one who did that? I actually, this isn't a cheat sheet. This is a record contract for that. Um, uh, no, uh, this is actually way years and years and years ago. 
But the first time I ever heard Chris Stapleton sing at a writer's night, mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about him. And I was just, it was during Tin Pan South, which is this incredible week of song behind this, good Lord, behind the scenes songwriting. Yeah. Um, and I went to a show because a friend of mine was playing on that round and Chris was on it and he opened his mouth and I literally almost fell out of my chair. Like yeah. I... I had no clue. Yeah, I, Patrick was that guy too. I, I that's it, uh, one of those experiences for me. I was at a it was a tornado relief show. I don't even know where the tornado was in like Kentucky or something. And there was a girl who had posted about it on Facebook, and I kind of had a crush on the girl, so I went there to see if I ran into her. And because I didn't have anything else going on, I I never saw her. Didn't care. Didn't I remember sitting in the back of the room and hearing this guy's voice and going. Whoa, does everyone else hear this? Like everyone else there must have known because they were all just kind of like, yeah, this is great. And I was like, oh, my God. Why? How? How does that guy do that? It well, was, his whole thing wasn't it was he was doing a lot of behind the scenes, you know, session singer, studio guy, back vocals and that kind of. Thing. And then other artists were like, better than I am. Well, he also didn't look the part, especially back then, because, you know, this is before everybody got beards. This is before mm -hmm. the long hair was yeah, cool. Yeah, it was right. like in that, that clean yeah, cut I forgot that. era. And, you know, Stapleton was one of those guys that you look at him and you go, yeah, no, Homeless. you'll never make it, kid. Yeah. Kind of thing. And he and then suddenly then that sang. was a marketable look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like Luke Combs in the fishing shirts. I never thought fishing shirts would be cool again like that. Luke has brought that back. I actually heard that they were completely sold out of that particular style last year. You couldn't even get them. Yeah. Because so many people wanted them. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, so what's your day-to-day -day like? It's different every day. Um, I generally have to kind of pick what I'm going to work on each day. We have 28 artists on our roster. Who's your favorite? Oh, I can't answer that. <laughs> Who's your can least we guess? <laughs> I can definitely answer that. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, so it, it just depends on the day um, and the artist because each artist is different. So my role on one artist can be completely different. So like Jason Aldean, he has an incredible team. He's been there for forever. I've only been there three years. I'm here to do anything I can to help. But that team is a well-oiled machine, and I'll throw – like I'll find a song and I'll send it to his producer or him. But like that's – they, it well, he knows it's not who, broke. He I don't knows who to, he is, yeah. is, is the thing. And I think that's where whenever you have somebody who's established, mm -hmm. it's probably a lot easier on the A&R side, I would think, than on the, you know, trying to get new songs constantly side, you know, because he's got to hold that image and he's got to keep that thing going. I would think it, it has shifted from trying to build him to sustaining. Yeah, I, I, the, his team is so solid and... um so my role is more like getting his records turned in and giving updates to the team. And they do their thing, and, and they do it so well, and it's every record's amazing. Well, the reason we're, that you're here is because we were talking to Locash. Yes. And their songwriters have written hits for themselves and for other people. But Can, can, I, can I, before you go okay. into the whole Locash thing, I'm going to do something terrible uh, because I totally brain farted on something. I'm going to do the one thing I hate about podcasts. When people are having a conversation, and then all of a sudden, they go to this this sound where it's like, Okay, everybody, it's time for you to tell you about the sponsor. Oh, you forgot to do I the sponsor. I forgot to do the sponsor at the beginning. And O'Reilly Auto Parts sponsors the podcast and helps you know helps bring this to you. So, I'm sorry. So, I, I wanted to jump in. Well, let me, let me do it like what are you they doing? do it. No, don't. O'Reilly Auto 
Parts. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, better parts, better prices every day. Think, think anybody understood that? Or it's all distorted? Thank you, O'Reilly Auto Parts. That Sarah, a, please come back. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, was well, no, grand. it's just like the. I mean, you had. It's the worst. You're yeah, listening yeah. to a podcast. They're having yeah. a conversation, and then a commercial starts out of nowhere, and yeah, it's always overmodulated. And we never do that. Well, we, and here I am. I just did totally it. And I'm sorry. So, okay. Patrick, okay. going back so to Low I was going to say, we're talking to Low Cash about their uh, recent top 10 song, One Big Country Song, and we asked if they wrote it, and they said no. And then Bubba said, where did you find it? And that's where you come in. So they said, you're the person who brings them the songs, which I think is fascinating. I know the A&R person is out there looking for new acts and signing new acts, but once you have people on the roster... You know, you're the one who brings them song ideas, and then you also have the publishing background. So I know you. Oh, did so that you do you. the songs yeah. too? Well, I don't write them. I look for. I don't. No one wants me to write a song. Um, so yeah, I I work with. Um, this is my favorite part of my job, probably because of my publishing background and working with songwriters. When I worked in publishing, just to kind of give a little like what that means. Um, I worked on the creative side of publishing at a company called BMG. I worked at a ton of other companies, but the the last one I worked at was BMG. And um, we had amazing songwriters. And my job was to meet with those songwriters, set them up with the best co-writes that they could could have, um, talk to them about their songs, develop them, give them feedback, critique their songs. And then the biggest thing was get songs recorded by artists. And I love pitching songs. Um, so on the A&R side, when I was doing that, I would meet with the me's at labels, the A&R people at labels and pitch them songs or producers. And I would try to convince them that this was the song that the artist needed. So now I have people coming to me doing that. And, and then I have to then pitch it to the artist going like, this is a hit. You need to have this song. And that song in particular, one big country song, one, first, I love those guys. I love, they're incredible songwriters in their own right, but they love great songs and they always want to try to beat the best song that they have. So that song actually, um, Jesse Frazier, who's one of the writers on it, it's Jesse Frazier, Hardy and Ashley Gorley wrote that song and they sent it and were like, this would be a hit for low cash. And I listened to it and it was like, Oh my gosh, this song is so someone so actually fun. came to you and said, this is totally, we have this and we want it to be a low cash song. Yeah. They think I'm a genius, but really they were the geniuses and I just was the, the, person that handed it off no um, but yeah they did they they sent it and we're like we think this would be a hit for low cash check it out and I felt the same way and then sent it to the guys and um, they loved it we recorded it pretty quickly after that and um, ended up being their single and it's doing really well super excited yeah, about it blew up is there is there an example of a song that you had picked for one artist and then ended up, it ended up in someone else on someone else's record not at the label, but it did happen. Um, I've had that happen before when I was in publishing where mm -hmm. you would think it was going to be like somebody or it's it got no cut brainer. by somebody, would get cut by somebody else, and then it wouldn't make the record, and then you'd get it cut by some, another artist, and it would go on to be a hit. There's well, a long history of... Everything. Well, give us, a, give us a couple of those just behind-the-scenes stories if you remember one. Well, um, one really good one, I think, is the song Holy um huge went on to be like song of the year florida georgia line. florida georgia line um that song was something that we had uh at the company i worked for and it had actually been recorded by a small band in like a new band in la and it was just kind of sitting on the shelf and seth england who was 
FGL's manager called and was like, I need a hit for FGL for their new record. And um, I made him a comp, and that was the first song. A comp is like a see a little link of ideas, and I had like five songs on there. Do you do the whole song or just like the hooks? The whole song. Okay. So I sent him that song and then four other songs, and um, they flipped out, and he was like, please let me have it, and I had to like kind of, we had to negotiate and finagle it back, and we got it, and it went on to be just such a massive hit for them, but also the, a huge opportunity for those writers because two of the writers on that song, Busby, had had a lot of really amazing success. Um, but the two other writers, one, it was his very first cut, and his it changed the trajectory of his entire career. So those those things are – it's really fun to be a part of those moments that can really, like – launch a career so how do you um how do you uh, recognize a song and uh, equate it with an artist like you I know everyone has their own sound but how do you get that from a a demo that someone else is singing I don't know how to explain that I think it's just a gut thing and I'm not always right like I for sure think songs would be amazing for an artist sometimes and I can't get them on board with it or and that you know I don't really know. I just, I think I go with my gut most of the time. It's just, I've always been somebody who pitches songs that I just love and believe in that um, those are the easy ones to pitch. You What's, know? Have you had like a time where you believed in a song, the artist did not, and they cut it just to appease you and it actually worked out? I haven't had that happen yet. What? No. Has it happened to where you you convinced them and it fizzled and then they blamed you? Probably will happen soon. <laughs> uh, did we just no. jinx you? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yes. I think afraid this is real wood. You can knock on it. It's I, fine. I think like for me, I can be try to convince an artist, but an artist has to be able to also sing that song for the rest. Like hopefully if it's a hit, they'll sing it the rest of their career. If they don't believe in it, I think it's hard for them to sell it. So I'm probably not gonna force somebody hopefully yeah. hopefully i won't have to force well, because somebody to also do that. too if, if it's a song that blows up and it becomes a career song or something like that they're going to be stuck singing the song that they hate for the rest of their lives and we've talked to several people mm-hmm. uh, who will go nameless mm-hmm. but some of their biggest hits they absolutely hate mm-hmm. the yeah. songs and i'm like how like wasn't it George Jones wasn't a big fan of he stopped loving her today wasn't oh, that he the hated story that song but he but uh, he, that but was he came when he around. recorded it I think he came around yeah yeah because yeah. he saw the checks rolling That's one in of my went, favorite oh, stories yeah. is he was uh, he kept singing it to the tune of help me make it through the night and and they said you're stealing that uh, you know you're stealing the wrong melody there and George's reply was it's a better melody than this piece of crap you have me singing. <laughs> That's so great. Greatest country song of all time, according to, you know, at least half the polls ever taken. That's just... What do you think is the greatest country song ever done? Mm. That's a really, really hard question. Okay, what's your favorite? Just, you know, you know you have a favorite. What's the one that you can keep going back to and you listen over and over? Honestly, my probably my favorite... I can do an album. One of my favorite country albums of all time is um, Smoke Rings in the Dark, that Gary Allen record. Oh, yes. So good. It's so good. that, that I wear, wear that one out still to this day. It's one that I can listen to from top to bottom. I do the whole the Gary time. Allen playlist thing where you go and you just... I stacked a bunch of songs and they're just awesome i have what is it about gary that's just so cool i've like, been to gary allen's fan club party at at 
CMA Fest six times because his manager knows I'm a huge fan and invites. I don't go to anyone else's fan club party, but he stands there and sings for like two hours and takes requests from the crowd and plays and knows everything, knows all of his whole catalog. It's amazing. Oh, freaking Gary Yeah, Allen that's probably that one. I love Run, George Strait, Run. Yeah. I love that song. Um, yeah, God, there's so many amazing songs. Hard to what's the, Bob? What's the song that he did that uh, Gary did that? Uh, um, the, you're thinking, all right, guy. No, well, yeah, uh, we'll you're do, thinking. Uh, no, that we had. What's his face do? Uh, he did it, and then we did a whole jingle package based on it. Oh, Luke, uh, Luke uh, Adobe Walls. Uh, Adobe Walls. Have you heard that? Yes, it's so good. Oh, it's so great. And Luke, uh, what's his <laughs> Luke lesson? Reed. Luke, Luke Reed. Reed. Yeah, we fell in love he with did the it. song Adobe Walls. Found out who the writer was and had him write our jingles for the show. So then That's we amazing. from from that we had a because most radio shows have there's like a couple of a uh, handful of companies that do jingles for mm-hmm. radio stations and shows. And it's all kind of the same, you know. It's the same kind of thing, and they're all they're all mixed really well, and they're they sound like everyone else. So we were like, dude, let's do a whole like our first the, as the Big D and Bubba show. Our first jingle package was uh, that we were involved in doing was a Texas swing style. Very Southwest, very cool. This. Wake up, everybody. It's getting time to go. Still hot. Listen to Big D and Bubba that's, on the morning that's show. That's Luke singing. Go and tell the rooster that he don't have to crow. Because you got Big D and Bubba on the radio. Big D and Bubba on the morning show. Big D and Bubba going to get you on the go. It just makes me feel like uh, we're about to go to Woody's Roundup and we're going to hang out. Do you know how many radio guys tell me that was stupid? <laughs> a lot. Oh, yeah. And I was like, no, I don't care. It's cool. It probably is stupid. But we you had know, those we same it. five jingles recut as bluegrass, as like rock and country. Oh, that's right. The I Warren forgot. Brothers redid them all that's for right. us, rock and country. I forgot the Warren Brothers did the, mm-hmm. they did uh, several for us. <clears throat> and um, yeah. you know, the re- do you remember the reason was? Is because. Those jingle packages you're talking about... Oh, yeah, market exclusive. ...are market exclusive. So they would use the same jingles in you know Baton Rouge as they would in Peoria. Mm-hmm. So we were going to be trying to put this show on all over the U.S. We needed jingles that we owned. Yeah, So because we didn't want to run into a place where they're like, hey, we own the rights to those. Uh, and Because we all know about people uh, owning the rights to things that they don't own. <laughs> Uh, it's inside. Your right. you check a little your inside joke for the three of us. The rest of y'all get to hear about that later. Yeah, it'll come out later in the news. But um, so yeah, I have no idea where I was going to tell you about this. <laughs> yeah, so we did that. I don't know. I'm concerned. I'm just Gary very Allen. curious about the copyright infringement. Oh, yeah, no, they, yeah. So so anyway, we uh, we got ahead of the game. We said, you know what? Let's make sure that we're covered, just like with the voice guy, the announcer on our show. It's a guy that I worked with. The guy you, you'll hear. David Angel on the show. It's Big D and Bubba. He's a guy that I worked with back when I lived in Guam years ago. Oh, until and recently he, and I, he lived in Guam. Didn't yeah. He? Well, no, he was in Hawaii. He was in Hawaii. Time. Now he's uh, Colleen uh, area. So, but but it's still it's just great to to keep those friendships going because you, you you're always going to come back to those people, those friends that have you've been there for in the past and you want to be there for in the future. Yeah. And I also think it's important that you have things that sound differently. And I'm sure when you're listening to songs, you're trying to figure out what's the next thing. 
Yeah. What's the next That's got to be the hardest thing. That's not easy. That's a total gut thing, I would think. That's a gut thing because you, like, there can be a sound that you're like, well, no one's doing that. And I think that that is super important, but sometimes that can be the battle. Like, well, they don't sound the same as everything else, or they're not sounding like what's happening. Mm-hmm. And you've got to convince people it's the new thing. Is, but those tend to be the, the artists that just blow up to these incredibly massive careers. So. Um, is, there, is there a time, like... Like TV shows are that way. Like, hey, we've got a a TV show about we make guitars. And then there will be another network that has a similar thing. We make mandolins. And that's why we make really old guitars. And at a point, that kind of gets played out. And I I would guess it's the same way in music. But do you, you, is that again a gut thing where you kind of just go, I think we've done, I think we're done with those type of songs? Yeah, probably. Um, it's so hard. To, what is the gut thing? Like, it's hard to explain that. Like, it just is something that you'll see something. Here, Here's an example. Like, um, when we're looking for new artists, there's different things that we're, we look at. Now, because of data and following and social media, you can kind of see if somebody has like a kind of a bubbling underground fan base. And that can be really valuable. Um but I would never want to sign somebody just exclusively exclusively because they have that, because it could be kind of manipulated or bought. bought. Yep. Um, and I wouldn't want to not sign somebody just because they don't have that, because maybe they just need the tools and the people around them to help. So, so, so it still comes down to gut. Do I feel like passionate about what they're doing? Do I like the person? Because you're going to have to work with them oh, so closely. It's like, do you want to work with that person? And do you feel like, you're the right team for them. And do you feel like you can help take them to the next level? If I don't feel like that, I don't feel, I feel like I'd be hurting that artist. Like they could go maybe to another place that would be more equipped or more suited for them or, or a person like me be more suited to help them. So it's, it does kind of go with gut and, um, you know, what about like difficult people? Have you dealt with difficult people that you're just like, you know what? I don't like dealing with this person, so you keep it short, and you're like, you're going to burn yourself. Uh, do you let I'm, them kind of do that? or I'm lucky. I feel like I, – I really do feel like this. Like, I feel like everyone I currently work with, like, is really wonderful to work with. Um, I've heard stories about stuff like that. But for the most part, I think, like, even if there's a – I used to work with somebody who would always say, like, great music can come from creative tension. And I think sometimes, like – you can see somebody as being difficult, but maybe it's just that you guys are having like a bit of a creative tension where you're pushing, I'm pushing them to a, a place that makes them uncomfortable and they're pushing me to a place that makes me uncomfortable. And in the end, it might end up generating something really incredible mm-hmm. because you've kind of been each other's devil's advocate on like what works and what doesn't. So I actually feel like really lucky. I don't feel like I work with anybody difficult. I So no divas? No divas so far. Uh, you've been at the label three years. Mm-hmm. Were you there when they signed uh, Walker McGuire to Wheelhouse? No, they that? were already signed when oh, I was there. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say maybe you were one of the people involved in that decision because we kind of found them like by accident. Started we were them on you. The radio. Yeah. That was our own. We, we wanted to do, oh, yeah, this is kind of an interesting thing. We wanted to do a thing where we just followed random people who were trying to make it. Mm-hmm. So we started this thing called Chasing the Dream on the show. And we're like, yeah, we would like to do that. But before I say we started, we we had a conversation. It would be cool to find somebody to do, uh, to follow around. So Patrick was playing at a... Oh, well, let me just say this. I said, when Bubba had that idea, I said, it's a terrible idea. Because 
everybody in Nashville is looking for that guy or that girl or that group. They, if if they're out there, somebody Sarah's going to find them before we do. You know, we're not going to find somebody that's actually good enough to follow until they get a record deal that doesn't already have. You know, but that's not true though. It's I not mean, true. We no, got we lucky. found out, <laughs> Sarah. We know it's not true. We know it's not we true. We did it. <laughs> we did. Yeah. We've done it twice now, uh, but that was kind of three times. What's the third one? Oh no, it is. Oh no, you're right. It is twice. Okay. Okay. You got one coming. Maybe. Send it my way. Come maybe. on. Maybe. Uh, no. So we. It was. It was the same thing. We heard these two dudes. They weren't even a band. They were just guys who were roommates, and they were singing. And I was like, I texted Patrick. I'm like, I. I had the flu. And I'm like, I went to his little party thing just to support my brother. I was playing around. And uh, I was there drinking my water, going, "Holy crud! These guys are actually." Good, and they had a song Actually, that was because they're still. Uh, I think they're both still signed uh, in in some way with the label. I'll say this: it was because I knew Johnny McGuire, and I, I he I saw him there that night. And a friend of mine who was supposed to play on the round, it was running late, and he had to leave because he had another gig. So he's like, "Man, I was like, it's fine. We'll just do it as two people." And I saw Johnny, and I said, "Hey, man, you want to get on this round with us?" And he said, well, "My buddy Jordan is here, and we're kind of doing a duo thing now. Can we both sing?" And I'm like, "You get three songs. I don't care if you sing them together." <laughs> Like and so they just jumped. They didn't even have guitars. They borrowed guitars from people that were there and got up on stage and they hit the chorus of their first song, Zero to Sixty. And there's a point, there's somewhere there's a video of this where I just look over and go, Holy shit. <laughs> what is what is going on? Where'd they come Why from? Why do they sound so good? And I don't want to sing next. It was that kind of thing. It I was, didn't want you to sing next either. Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> just, just so you know. I mean, I love you, brother, but yeah, it was crazy. So yeah, we we kind of we lucked into that one, mm-hmm. and we found them and followed them, and uh, it was great. I well, mean, there, there's an A and R tip for you. They have a song called "The Color Pink" that somebody, some artist, they should never have cut it because it's two young single dudes. But somebody with kids with daughters should cut that song. I have to go back it and ma- check it, it out. has it has like six seven hundred thousand views on our YouTube page for that song. For them performing it in studio, it's massive. The reaction to it is huge. But they were never the right artists for that song because it was two 25-year-old guys with no kids. I'm going to check it out, and then this could be a story of you guys of how we told another you hit. about that song. For, we're so uh, tired know. of making stars. Oh, we got so exhausted. <laughs> it is so, Just so exhausted. tiring. But. We had Jameson Rogers in here this week, and we had, it was the same thing with him. I found him because a friend at a publishing company sent me a demo, and I was like, I do so remember, cool. I do remember the third one. The I third knew one? I was like, man, there was somebody else that we brought in way early before they had anything going, and that was this dude named Luke. Oh yeah, Luke but that, Combs. But I know a it wasn't. We didn't do, But but no, it was kind of the same thing. Yeah, we're like, you know, we really, like your really music. We're gonna have you. We in. were really early on him, but it wasn't the same. He wasn't he completely did, unknown. But he didn't have a record deal or any of that at the he time. He had a record deal. He didn't have a major record. Deal. I liked him because he was kind of a mix of all three of us. <laughs> he looks like if you took the three of us, three of us and, and made us a, together. Oh, a baby. We look like Luke Combs. Well, that's an example too of part of my job is. It's not just Nashville. Like, there's so many people making incredible music outside of Nashville now, mm-hmm. especially with the ability to release music independently through streaming and um, build touring bases. So it's that's part of my job, too, is just, like, what's happening in the Southeast? What's happening in Texas? What's happening in the Midwest? And watching who's connecting with people and um, following that, too. So requires a little bit of travel. Every I don't know if you'll have an answer to this, but I we asked John Esposito this question, and I loved 
getting his answer. So I'm going to ask that of every record label A&R person we ever get on this show. Is there somebody that you wanted to sign, that you tried to sign, that you missed? I tried really hard to sign Cody Johnson. Oh. Didn't everybody? Didn't Yeah, every, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. His answer, by the way, was Marin. It was the same thing. Everybody was trying to sign Marin mm-hmm. Morris, and they just didn't get it. Yeah. Gosh. Did you – How? at what point did were you aware of him or you just – I'd known about him for a while because a few of my writers worked with him prior. So I'd been kind of aware of him. And then um, actually through the writing community got clued. They were like, you really need to be paying attention more now that you're, you know, like now that you're on the label side. And so I started going down to to shows. I went to Omaha, went to Springfield, Missouri. I went to a couple other uh, Charlotte handful of shows. And, um, and uh, you know, the, the Nashville record community, we all know each other. We're, we're very competitive, but we're also really good friends because, especially because I was a publisher for so long, I used to meet with the, the Warner a and team all the right. time. So I've known them for years and um, and really admire them and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, it kind of came down to who he felt was going to be the best team for him. And, and you know, Chris Lacey, she's incredible. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't say anything bad about her. So I was bummed about it. But then you just you have to move on to the next thing. And I got really excited about the next artist that we signed. And I think right after that, my the next artist I signed was Lainey Wilson. And um, I'm really fired up about her and her project. And we're in the process of um, launching that. And she's incredible. It that's takes a last... lot of money, too. And I think that's oh, yeah. because the pressure is on. Like, you, you would think that your job would be great. Oh, yeah. She just goes out and she listens to live music and goes, oh, you're talented. You got a job. But it's not that way at all. No, it's mostly, I, I joke, but I'm like, I think I say no 90% oh. of the time and yes, 10% of the time. And you can, it can feel a little bit like you're being the bearer of bad news to songs you've had on hold that you end up not recording or, you know, artists that were really looking for deals that you've talked to and it just ends up not being something, the right fit um, and having to say no or, um, we say it all the time. The world needs more Simon Cowles. <laughs> you know, the world needs more people. You who can be will a go, little. You can be truthful but kind. Well, yeah, okay, but uh, people spend their whole lives up until their mid twenties with everyone around them telling them how great they are. Yeah. You know, and it's only getting worse because now that it used to go that well, your mom will tell you you're good until you're a teenager, and then it was your mom will tell you you're good until you're twenty. Now it's your mom will tell you you're great until you die. Like that's it. You know. Yeah. So people just don't have any perspective that. And also remember, everybody everybody gets a a medal, everybody gets a trophy, and oh. we're used to that now. We have we have gotten to the point where everybody feels like they deserve it because, well, so and so got it, why can't I get it? And it just doesn't work that way all the time. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just, <laughs> nice. just realize that I don't want to be that guy. No, wait, yes, I do. Oh my gosh, I hear stuff all the time. So we're not exactly A and R people at a label, but we're easier to reach than you probably are. So we well, people get, know people who know we are. We are. From the radio. So we people send us stuff, all and the it's time. great. <laughs> the worse it is, the better for us. I know that's horrible. They actually but, really but, appreciate the bad ones. Yeah, the bad ones will play. We're like, oh, oh this was sent to us. Let's are... see how this is. And Patrick's like, he'll surprise us sometimes with these songs that are so bad. Some of them are so bad. It's actually impressive that they can be that bad and not realize that they're bad. Does that make sense? Like, it's actually quite psychologically shocking that you don't understand that you're terrible. I think that that's maybe one of the hardest struggles I have when you see people that are like that. Mm -hmm. Because you hear, like, really terrible stories of 
of those those people get taken advantage of by oh, people in the music, yes. like some of the oh, yeah. fringe. You can be and, a come national on recording artist, yeah, get studio yeah. time, and all that. And you'll hear stories of people cashing in four hundred one ks or um, life insurance know, policies and stuff like that Man. to make records that unfortunately they shouldn't have been doing. And it, you know, it's already spent. So what are what are you going to do? Like say you shouldn't have done that. Like it's that can be a little heartbreaking to me. But um, but but on the flip side. Really, the job is amazing. I I love my job, and, and um, it's most of the time incredible and exciting. And and even if I hear songs like if if a writer pitches me a song and I can't use it, it's still amazing to hear a song that's incredible. And it, you hear an incredible song every single day, and it can like change your whole day. Like you can be having the worst day ever, and someone will pl- send you a song that like completely flips it. And you either get really excited because you've got an angle or an idea for an artist that you have that it'll work for, or you just go, man, I don't have anyone for that, but that that changed my world and I needed to hear that in the moment. So I can't complain like my, you know, for all those kind of moments that can be like difficult with either telling people no or whatever, like you have these just huge wins all the time. And, and your awesome. artists aren't going to be a perfect fit for every song. Like you were just saying, you know, I don't have anyone for that song. Have you sent hits away in the past i don't think i've sent hits away but i've definitely had nowhere to go with them and they've gone on to be hits for other artists i can't think of anything right now in particular but i know it's happened i mean Um, do you guys because again you guys are all friends all all the different labels you kind of you know know the same circle of people mm -hmm. and i was just wondering if like maybe like you go look my people there's nobody who can cut it but here's one that i know your person could and uh, good luck with that. We should do that probably more, but um, I think our com- competitive nature probably doesn't do that as often. Well, I know as we it should. is obviously a business first. But I will. I think I'll always be a song plugger at heart, which was you know what I did for publishing, and it's how I approach A and R. So I will like if a plugger pl- plays me something and I can't do anything, I'll definitely be like, man, you should get that to so and so. It's just like my brain constantly is casting songs places. Um, but yeah, there's probably been a couple times where I should have picked up the phone and been like, "Hey, have you ever you found know about the song? Have you ever found a song that was hidden in a cabinet somewhere that you know? They always talk about things like I think Broken Heartsville was one of those stories where it had been sitting around for years and no one had ever heard it. Those are my favorite stories. I, uh, I, it's a strange. It's it's actually no longer. Um, on our label, but there was a song that I personally was obsessed with and I've been obsessed with for 15 years. And I, uh, through my career, I worked at a company that was bought by a company that was bought by a company that was bought by a company. It's like radio. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've been there. So that company, that song is still at the publishing company that I last worked at. And so I did have the opportunity to pitch it to an artist and it got cut and it was like very like powerful. So it's not, and it's, it's a longer story, but it ended up not being on our label, but it's going to be coming out soon. And I'm those are the so wins. So your 15-year baby is finally going to be born. It's going to be born. Even though it's not for you. It's That's going to that, hurt. Yeah. It's not, it's not for me, but you know what? It's a baby that, like, I'm just so excited about it. Like, it, Is it a songwriter who's had hits before? Yeah, but it was an old song. It's probably about 20, 20 years old now. Because I, I, I found it about 50, well, I didn't find it, but I, it was in the catalog that I worked about 15 years ago, and then it was already, like, probably five years old when I found it. Were you it. actively trying to get people to, like, pitching it to them, and they just, nobody bought, I, nobody bit? 
it was probably the most pitched song I've ever pitched in my entire life. Like what? it was the relentless one. Can you tell us who? Uh, it's not on our or? label anymore. I well, can't well, say. Yeah, it. We'll talk later. Yeah, well, yeah I when it comes out, I'll say. Okay, just so we'll know. Yeah, because I want to know the the end of that story. Yeah, I'll let you guys know when oh, it's. I out. hope it's a single, so we can tell that story. Even if it's not like that, what a great. Yeah. What a great little thing. By the way, before you get out of here, can we tell people that we know you now? Like. Sure. Okay, cool. What does that, oh. what does that mean? It means you're going to get. What does that mean for gonna, me? You're going to get cassette tapes of people who are terrible singers. <laughs> cassette tapes. We're going to send you the <laughs> really bad you're gonna be. They're going to be on reel to reel. Rest assured, we're not going to send you stuff and be like, you should listen to this because it could be great. No, it's going to be. You should atrocious. listen to this. I love it. Yeah. My my first job that I ever had, I worked at Harlan Howard's company. Who um, Harlan Howard's one of the most successful songwriters of all time. He's in the Hall of Fame and the Country Music Hall of Fame and the Country Music Songwriters Hall of Fame. And because he was so well known and he'd written so many songs, we got a lot of like unsolicited CDs or cassette tapes at the time. And I used to get a lot of cassette tapes from prison. <laughs> Oh, at the office. Man. Um, the prison oh, songs? Like, what would they use yeah. for? They would just sing them? They would sing them on a cassette tape and send them because, um, you know, they, they were, we had a policy that we would listen for, um, to, you know, out, unsolicited material or whatever. And every once in a while you'd find something. And I remember there was an older man that was from um, southern Illinois somewhere, and he would send me these cassette tapes of these songs he wrote that if, he if it would have been 1956 – he would have been 56. He would have been, huge. He would have been the mm -hmm. biggest songwriter. And they were incredible, but they were just like, you know, dated. Like, dated, yeah. But oh, that's too bad. Too bad you couldn't find like an artist who would fit that mold and say, you know, just go with it or give them to like Midland. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know we know this that's is dated, more, but your sound is kind of an updated the 80s, dated. 80s, yeah. early yeah, 90s, but you know. but still, yeah, why not? Hello, you know? David Allen Co. Um, <laughs> listen. You know that sound you've been looking for? <laughs> I found it. I found. Listen to this. <laughs> do you have Do you have any of those that you keep because they were so bad you kept them? I I used to have um I used to have a little pile. I don't have them anymore. And then I used to keep demos that I got dropped off. And I, somewhere in a move between offices, I lost a box because I used to also have incredible like drop offs of artists that have gone on to become big artists. Oh yeah. So like I had an incredible sorry I I would tell this I don't think he would care but I had an incredible first demo um from Brett Eldridge when he was like probably 15 or 16 and it was like a picture that his mom took of him. He had like shaggy little hair and it was in a DVD case and it was him singing uh over like a karaoke track of songs when he was just trying to get it. And it, he sounded incredible because he's an incredible singer. But I, I had it for years and I lost it somewhere in a move and it kind of pains me. That somewhere I, I have, have the anymore. CDs of Joe Nichols been, when, before his big major record label deal when he had like hair down to his butt. That's mm -hmm. uh, so cool. Yeah. But I have the worst song ever sent to me. Still to this day, I have it on CD. Which one? Oh, I, it's, I can't even remember what it's called. But it's some, when I used to take, we used, I used to do the religious show on uh, in Nashville on Sunday mornings. And so people would send these songs, and it is the worst. It's not even close. It's the worst written, worst performed, worst produced song <laughs> I've ever heard. I regret getting rid of the, uh, the stripper song. Do you remember the stripper from, we were sitting on Southwest. It was a full <sighs> flight. We were on the very last row because we figured there's, if you're in the last row, 
they'll find a seat before they get to you because mm-hmm. we wanted to have an empty seat between us because we're fat. And uh, <laughs> so we're like right because we're um, fat. Well, yeah. you know, so we're like, and if you walked in on a plane and saw well, this dude in the window seat and that dude in the aisle seat, there's then, no way you try to sit between And then we, we have the thing, too, whenever we fly on, on Southwest, we always go puff up. So you puff up and you make yourself look even bigger. So and then you fake sleep. You do the whole thing. And uh, this girl walks up and you could tell the full flight. She walks up and you hear this. <sighs> and like you're looking down. We're fake sleeping. You're looking down and you're seeing like her shoes. I mean, do you remember those shoes? Uh, yeah, they were stripper shoes. They had they're like stripper shoes. They yeah. were like uh, acrylic. Like yeah. weird. Yeah. And so she's like, oh. <sighs> Excuse me. So we wake, we move out of the way, and she sits between us, and uh, it was, uh, <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it was bad. It was bad. brutal until she figured out what we did. Yeah, and, and then, then she gave us a demo, <laughs> and we got immediately got in the rental car when we got to our destination, and listened to the demo, and it was so amazingly bad. It was great. I had a taxi driver one time, like not turn in the street that I wanted to turn into. This was earlier in my career when I when someone asked me what I would do, I'd be like, "Oh, I do this." <laughs> yeah. And um, he like wouldn't take me to my destination because he was playing me demos, and it was like oh, very, no. very weird. And I was trying to get out of the car as soon as possible. You so were now being I just kidnapped. so now I just tell people I work retail. Well, <laughs> you work retail. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um. You guys got any other questions for? This is your chance to be get figured uh, no, discovered that's pretty much all i got write okay. down the color pink uh, i will you're gonna want to hear that uh actually people on uh, facebook have actually already been saying, started saying yeah they're it. like oh, please yeah. get it into someone's hands so we can buy it it would be huge yeah it would be uh if people want to reach out to you uh how do they do that do you want people to reach out to you <laughs> <laughs> well we actually do have an unsolicited policy at our office and that's just um you know it there's uh ways to go about getting your songs heard um, the right way. So you mean you don't accept unsolicited? I don't yeah. accept, accept Most unsolicited. of the major companies don't. And there's a reason for that is because <laughs> if you send something to them unsolicited and they listen to it, and then years from now they write a song or they put a song out that resembles the one that you put out, mm-hmm. then you can sue them. And so they're like, no, don't send us anything because we're going to go through our channels we're not going to listen to your stuff. If you send it to us un- unsolicited, we won't listen to it so we can avoid lawsuits. Yeah. Which is smart. So if you're a songwriter and or an artist, honestly, um, I always suggest getting involved in NSAI, Nashville Songwriters Association International. It's a wonderful organization that does seminars and critique sessions, and they also do an incredible work for the community, um, you know, lobbying for songwriter rights and and better pay they're just really they do really wonderful work but they'll they'll put you in the right they'll offer some like mentorship programs and um feedback and then when you're ready they'll if you're ready they'll open some doors you know um come good lord i can't talk today but it's okay they, we can't talk every day so <laughs> yeah. it's good they'll open some doors for you or if, if you're ready you know or there's that there's um, They'll also keep you from spending money on those companies we talked about earlier 100%. that are just out to take advantage of you. NSA is there to help keep you from falling into those traps. Yeah. So so there's ways to do it and do it the, the proper channels. It's always going to be the way to go. So it's a good place to start. 
Uh, it's good to see you. Thanks for dropping by. Thanks it for was asking. really fascinating. The guys are right that you are uh, you're good. Uh, you're you're sharp. Wow. You know what you're doing. You're about. sharp. Yeah, you're sharp. It's called. Uh, You've never heard someone say you're sharp? Yeah, it just sounds like you're, like, she mentioned Mad Men earlier. It's like a <laughs> Mad Men phrase. You're very sharp. I didn't tell one story that you might not think that then, if I, that I was sharp. You have a story you want to tell before you I have you one go? story that's an embarrassing story. The parting Please. shot. Please right, go the ahead. Parting, this is the embarrassing story. This is back when I'm a plug. I was a song plugger at a company. Which a song plugger is you just put songs with artists? Yeah, I worked with writers, and I would take their songs and try to get them cut. That was my main job. And I got a... a a pitch meeting with Randy Travis and like Randy Travis, I'm Randy Travis. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. So I, I took like a week and I went through every possible Randy Travis song in our catalog. And I was like, I felt confident. I had the perfect Randy Travis pitches and I was walking in there and I was like, I'm going to get a Randy Travis cut. I've won. I am a genius. This is amazing. I can't believe I'm getting to meet him. I go in and I hand my confidently hand in my little or my CD and he turns it on, and the first song was the one that I was like, this is the one. And he listened almost all the way through, which is always, like, the, the best sign. Like, if somebody keeps listening, you're like, oh, yeah, I got this. I've got this. And at the end, he looked up at me, and he went, you couldn't have pitched a more perfect Randy Travis song because I've already recorded that oh, song. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and I, it was a song that he'd recorded, like, 15 years before, and it actually, in my defense, had not made a record so I would have never known that it had been recorded. But um, anyway, I just remember wanting to crawl in a hole and die. And Tracy Gershon, who was the head a and at Warner at the time, she started laughing so hard because oh, I was yeah. like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> and so so then up until that point, like I always do extensive research before I like go sit down but with you know, an artist. That's good, though. That shows that <laughs> you're good you're at right. your job because right. you knew that was a that's song exactly for that right. artist. So. Yeah. Uh, so you. you can look at it as being a horrifying thing, but I look at it as that is uh, just proof that you're good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Canaby uh, is uh, been our guest. Good uh, to see you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. For we asking. appreciate it. Anything and, else, boys? Uh, yeah, I would like to say thank you to O'Reilly Auto Parts again. Hey. I'm sorry for the embarrassing little plug in the middle of the podcast. Why don't you read that without you know <sighs> screaming through the thing? O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices. Every day. And how do I know every day? Because I blow fuses constantly in my Jeep, and I have to go get them all the time. Literally every day. It's Almost right every day. It's crazy. All right. So thank you to O'Reilly. Thank you, Sarah. Play the song. And here's the song. Now, I want you to listen to this. You might want to sign this artist. That's true. This was the podcast, but now it's over. But that's, that's okay, because okay. you can listen to the regular show on the radio every day. It was the podcast. Yeah, I got my sweetheart a stick cup. Nice. <laughs>